Today's scripture reading is from Acts 2, 1 through 21. In addition to your own Bible, you may find it on the back side of your message notes or beginning on page 779 of the worship Bible. Well, please stand for the reading of God. And when the day of Pentecost and when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together, and all were bewildered, because they were each hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying, why, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born, Parthians and Medes? and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit upon all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God. Now, if you've been with us for the last several months, you know we've been celebrating Easter every Sunday since April 1st, April Fool's Day, which was Easter Sunday uh, this year. Uh, we've been doing it every Sunday since then. And before that, we, we celebrated uh, the period of Lent prior to that, and before that, the time of of Christmas, all the way through there. Christmas, uh, Christmas we remember the incarnation of Jesus. And then moving up to Good Friday, we remember the crucifixion of Jesus. And on Easter, we, we remember the resurrection of Jesus. 
And then last Sunday, as we celebrated Ascension Sunday, we remembered the enthronement of Jesus, and we have celebrated all of those during the course of this past year as we've followed not the, uh, you know, the cultural calendar of our time, but more the Christian calendar, which shapes, has shaped the church of Jesus Christ ever since the earliest days until today we come to the last item of that church year, which is Pentecost Sunday. The story of what happened that Greg read for you just a few moments ago. It's the time when the resurrection power of Jesus Christ was unleashed on the whole world. It wasn't just that he was raised from the dead bodily into a new body, but that he had now been enthroned at the heavenly places and could now indiscriminately pour out his spirit into all of his uh, uh, followers who could receive the first fruits, the, the first tastes, the foretaste of what it would be like like to be empowered by the Spirit of God throughout by receiving the Holy Spirit, and the world has never been the same. In fact, the success, it would seem, of all of Jesus' ministry, the whole Christmas, Lent, Good Friday, Easter, and Ascension story, the whole story of the Gospels, the success of all of that would depend upon what happened on and after Pentecost Sunday. When the Spirit of God, which had been in Jesus Christ, was now spread among His people, and they began to be, as Jesus says, witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, witnesses to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And so there they were that day celebrating Pentecost along with the nation of Israel. It mentions it in the very first few words of that text. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly it says, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. The sound of a Have you ever heard a wind? Some of you have. You, um, of course, all of us have to a degree. But some of you have been through hurricanes or tornadoes or just the sound of wind blowing through the rafters, perhaps the sound of a rowdy, an overwhelming sound. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They, they were overwhelmed with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages to all the people who were around them from all over the known world that day. And as this, at this sound, now there were in Jerusalem, it says, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. There were many people from all over the world who were there that day because this was the festival of Pentecost, a Jewish holiday. One of the three holidays they were required if they were able to come back to Jerusalem to celebrate. The one before that was Passover. That had just happened 50 days before. That's when Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. And then now, here it is, Pentecost, and they've come in from all over the world, and they, were, uh, and they came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Now, there are times when the gift of tongues later on is, is spoken of in a different way as maybe a prayer language, all those sorts of things that happen in different parts of the Scripture. But here we see that the gift of tongues was given for the purpose of communicating the words of God into another tongue, a 
a literal human tongue. They heard it in their language, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Even though they were all Jews, they were from out in the back country, in the north country, up in the hill country of Galilee. They were down there in Jerusalem, where Jerusalem was, was like, uh, you know, the big city of that area, right? And it was the center of their religious and political and economic life was in Jerusalem. So these were the Galileans. Aren't these guys all just guys from Galilee? And how is it, they said in verse 8, that we hear each of us in our own native language? Now, by that time, most people, though Hebrew was their given the, 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 original, uh, the original tongue, Hebrew was a second or third language for many of these people. Greek was the common language of the day. It was the English of the day, perhaps the, the common commerce language, languages everyone spoke somewhat. Uh, but, uh, uh, but each country had its own language, and so they, they had their own heart language. So how do they hear us speaking in our own negative, native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, Arabians. We, they're just naming every people group they can imagine. This is my cord, by the way, Brian, that's doing that. Would you like me to use another mic or? Okay. All right, here I am. Here I am. Okay. Um, we're all hearing in our own tongues the mighty works of God. What are they hearing? They're hearing the gospel. They're hearing about Jesus. This is a story which is only, uh, you know, six weeks old. I mean, it was just a month ago when they certainly would have known about this criminal who was killed over Passover weekend. They might have heard some of the stories about uh, rumors of his resurrection from the dead. They all knew something. And they're hearing the mighty works of God that this Jesus had been raised from the dead and offered forgiveness to all who placed their trust, that he was, in fact, the promised Messiah, the chosen king of Israel. We're hearing it in our own language. And they were all, verse 12, amazed and perplexed, saying to other, one another, what does this mean? Now, we're going to ask their question today. What did it mean? What does it mean? What was going on there? What had happened among them? Now, they had their first solution, which is, these guys are all, what? Drunk, which I think is kind of funny because here we are meeting at a saloon. <laughs> Peter says, we're not drunk, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. What time did the church start today? 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, so uh, I feel, well, this seems like it was written for us to be read here at the Buffalo Chip. Uh, but in any case, that was the, they were sne sneeringly saying that. But then Peter got up to explain what it meant. And so let's take a look at this question. What does it mean? As we take a look at the meaning of Pentecost, first of all, for Israel, and then secondly, for the church, and then finally, for you and me. The meaning of Pentecost for Israel, for the church, and then for you and me. First of all, the meaning of Pentecost for Israel. It's a foreign holiday to many of us, but this is one of the, as I said already, one of the three main and most important holidays in the Jewish calendar. It's celebrated still today. In fact, Pentecost started on sundown on the 19th of May, and it ends at 
uh, sunrise or sometime on the 21st of May. It's like a two-day festival right here. So our celebration of Pentecost is on the same day that Jews around the world are celebrating this same festival of Pentecost. Well, for us to understand, do you think it's an accident the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost? It must mean something. Why did God choose that day? Well, part of the reason he chose it is because it had a particular significance in the history of Israel, which would have a continuing significance for the history of the church. Does that make sense? Okay. So what was the significance of Pentecost for Israel? Well, I thought I would go straight to the source and read a document written um, uh, by, uh, 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 by uh, Jews about their own holiday today. They quote, first of all, from Leviticus 21, 15 to 16 and 21, which says, You shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day to when you bring the omer of the waving, seven Sabbaths. They say Shabbats, but they shall be complete. Until the day of the seventh Sabbath, you shall count 50 days. You shall, you shall convoke on this day. There shall be a holy convocation for yourselves. You shall do no laborious work. It is an eternal decree in your dwelling places for your generations. Leviticus 21, 15 to 21, excerpted from there. And they write this, Shavuot, the festival of weeks, is the second of the three major festivals with both historical and, cult and agricultural significance. The other two are Passover and Sukkot, the Fest Feast of Tabernacles in the fall. Agriculturally, it commemorates the time when the first fruits were harvested and brought to the temple and is known as the Festival of the First Fruits. Historically, it celebrates the giving of the Torah, the law, on Mount Sinai, and is also known as the Festival of the Giving of our Torah. The period from Passover to Shavuot is a time of great anticipation. We count each of the days from the second day of Passover to the day before Shavuot, 49 days or seven full weeks, hence the name of the festival. The counting reminds of the, us of the important connection between Shavuot and Passover. Between Passover and Shavuot, he says. Uh, Passover freed us physically from bondage, but the giving of the Torah on Shavuot redeemed us spiritually from our bondage to idolatry and immorality. Shavuot is also known as Pentecost because it falls on the 50th day. And what are we to take from this Beautiful holiday, which has been celebrated among the Jewish people for 3,000 years, even more. I guess we'd say 3,500 years or so. Well, we can see that this is, first of all, as they say in this, an agricultural festival. It's the festival of first fruits. It was the festival when you would come at the very first fruits of the harvest, and you'd bring them to the Lord. You'd bring, it was a day when farmers would bring the first sheaf of wheat from the crop and offer it to God, partly as a sign of gratitude, and partly as a prayer that the rest of the crop would be gathered in, and partly as a statement of faith. Because you're bringing the very first thing you got. What if a storm comes and, you know, destroys the rest of the crop? It was, a, it was a festival to remind them that all that they had and all that they gained came from the Lord. And they would trust God with the first fruits of that. It was the festival of the first 
fruit. They'd bring the first sheaf of the, sheaf of the crop. It would be gathered in. It was, uh, it was uh, the first fruits of the harvest. But we also see that it had historical uh, uh, implications as well. That very soon, or at some point, they began to look at the day of Pentecost as the reminder of when God gave his law on Mount Sinai. When God gave his law on Mount Sinai. So it's a remember of the establishment of the covenant and the giving of the law. Because that's what happened on Mount Sinai. Now let me take back to your, your, your history. Remember that people of Israel had been enslaved in Egypt. And God sent Moses to be their deliverer. And after many plagues, Moses, who kind of looked a lot like Charlton Heston, was able then to lead the people out of Israel, and they celebrated Passover as that great reminder when God had passed over them and brought them out into the uh, out of the land of Egypt and beyond the Red Sea. And then it took some time before they got down to Mount Sinai, which ironically or providentially in God's pattern is the very place where Moses had spent the last 40 years in exile. They go down to that area, and there God establishes his covenant with the people and give to them his law. And so in the, uh, in, in, in the Pentecost, they were reminding themselves that God had called them to be his people, a particular kind of people, that God had rescued them, that God had set up a covenant with them, that God had given to his law, his Torah to them. The giving of the law on Mount Sinai was a beautiful remembrance, and this was the great treasure which they had. And God even said, I want you to be my particular treasure among the people. In fact, in Exodus 19, now therefore, if you'll indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. You see, part of God's plan of redemption was to uh, uh, secure a certain group of people to whom he would give to his law, with whom he would make his covenant, so that ultimately they could begin to live a little bit more like the humanity God had in mind, not the selfish, self uh, serving humanity, which was all around them, but the selfless, self-giving, caring humanity, which God had meant for humans to give. They were to be God's treasure possession. God had made a covenant with them and given to them His law. They were meant to be a different kind of people. And Jewish people throughout the histories were very aware of that, that they were called as God's chosen people to represent God no matter where they went. God had rescued them. God had established a covenant with them. And God had given to them His law, that treasured possession. And so that covenant was sealed in a very sacred ceremony. This is found in Exodus chapters 19 to the 24, but here's a part of it in the 24th chapter. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. That's the law. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They gave their affirmation, their assent to the law of God. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men to the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings to the, of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins and half the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. 
And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took some of the blood and threw it on the people and said, Below, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. You feel the holiness of this moment? God had called them, rescued them, brought them to his mountain, given to them his words, and sealed a covenant with them with blood that they would become his people. Pentecost was a reminder that they were God's treasured possession. They had been given his covenant and his words. But that wasn't all. Pentecost was for them also the reminder of the personal presence of God among them. The personal presence of God among them. Now go back to your Bible story. Remember that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. But because of disobedience, they were cast out of the presence of God. And ultimately, God appeared to Abraham and et cetera, and ultimately to Moses in a bush. But finally, ultimately, on the mountain at Sinai, God appeared on the mountain with clouds and fire and smoke and thunder. And the people said, we're not going up there. Moses, you go up there. You talk to God. Maybe you'll survive. You go talk to him for us. Moses said, don't come up here. This is a holy place. And so the presence of God was there on that mountain. They sealed that covenant. And then God said in the last half of the book of Exodus, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a canopy. And it didn't look very much different than the one you're sitting in right now. He told them exactly how long to make it, what to make it out of, who would make it, and how they would do it. It was a portable canopy. I love the fact that we're, uh, we're sort of a, a little bit permanent-ish, but uh, just a portable canopy. And what happened when they built it all according to the way God had told them to build it? What happened? But the glory of God, which had been up on the mountain, then did what? Came in to the tabernacle, and the glory came in the same glory they had seen on the mountain, they now had right there in the midst of them. So God, who always wants to be with his people, now for the first time since the Garden of Eden is now with his people, he's there in the holiest of the holy places. And Moses goes into the tent of meeting, or the tabernacle that was called, and there he would meet with God. And when he would come out, his face would be glowing because of the change of having been with God. And so God's presence was among them with what? A cloud and fire, right? And they then began to follow God. When the cloud went forward, when the fire went forward, they followed. The presence of God was among his people. And so it is the celebration, not only of the covenant and the law that God had called them to be his particular possession, but also of the tabernacle and the presence that God had said he would live among them, and they were reminded of that. So the covenant, the, the Pentecost was, of course, a, uh, a, 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 an agricultural festival, the offering of their first fruits to God and the confidence that God would then sacri- or bless their, uh, their, 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 their crops. But it was also a reminder for them of the coming of God's covenant and the law on Mount Sinai and that they were called to be his people. And then the coming of the tabern, the presence of God in their midst that they would have God's presence among them. That's what they got together to celebrate and still do today. But what's the meaning of Pentecost then for the church? It was into this context, this story that I've told you, everybody knew that. 
They all knew that. They didn't have to get told that. They were there celebrating Pentecost as they had every year of their lives. But in this context, I already read for the story, so I won't read it for you again. The Holy Spirit of God came, and you see that there was a cloud, and there was thunder, and there was lightning. Why? Because the presence of God was coming right within them. And it wasn't just on a mountain. It wasn't just in the temple. That It landed over top of each individual person, a guy and a girl, both. Um, an old guy and a young girl, young person as well. They all, it fall on each one of them. Yeah, on Pentecost, the church received new life by the Spirit of God, first of all. New life by the Spirit of God, a personal experience of the presence of God. They didn't have to go into the temple to experience the presence of God or even just into His Word, the Torah, to experience the presence of God. But the presence of God had come to live within them. He came in a cloud and in thunder and in fire, no longer on the mountain nor in the tabernacle, but resting on each individual person. The very Spirit of Jesus Christ had now come to empower each person person. The power of the resurrection of Jesus was given to individuals as a, as a sign of God's ultimate uh, renewal of the whole universe. By his, the, 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 for the church, the, uh, the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost signified that they had been given a brand new life. They were breathing the breath of God in a way that had never happened before, except in isolated incidences to certain persons when the Holy Spirit would come on a man like Moses or David or Elisha or a prophet. Now the gift of the Spirit was given to everyone, and they had new life by the Spirit of God. The church, secondly, became a new community as the people of God. You see, as they, in the, uh, the day, the Israelite view of Pentecost, that when God had come, it made a brand new community out of them. They began to see that they were now a new special community of God. And they then went out and went out to proclaim the mighty works of God. And they began to speak about the works of God, not just in Hebrew, not just in Greek, not just in Aramaic, but in every language to every people group among them. It was, in many ways, the reversal of the Tower of Babel. You remember that story? In the Tower of Babel, we have humanity trying to make a name for themselves. This is, I think, Genesis 11. Making a name for themselves and developing culture all on their own. And what happens? But though they had one language, their tongues got confused and they were spread out and all spread out into different ethnic groups and people groups. But now here we see that when the Holy Spirit of God comes, He now creates in them a new language so that they can communicate in every language to all those all those people, these are people who are united together despite their language background, despite their geographic background, despite their ethnic background, despite even their gender. They are called to be the new community of the people of God. That's why when Peter gets up to speak after they ask the question, who are these people? He says, man, we're not drunk, it's only 9 o'clock, as if to say, give us until noon, and we might be. No, <laughs> no. it's only 9 o'clock. But this is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through Joel, their own prophet. And in the last days, 
God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and on your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. And young men shall see dreams, and old men shall dream, excuse me, young men shall see visions, old men shall dream dreams, and even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, and the sun shall turn to darkness and the moon to blood. And the day of the Lord comes, the great magnificent day, and it has come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There was a brand new community which began today, that day. The coming of the Holy Spirit wasn't just meant to be a personal experience to be enjoyed all by my lonely but it was a corporate experience that was to be enjoyed by the church family together. And it broke down barriers between slave and free, as Joel said, between men and women, between rich and poor. All people of all nations became a whole new Whereas in the uh, original coming of the, of the covenant, we have we have the Holy Spirit coming to create a, a new community of people simply among the Israelites. Now we see a new community being created that's among all peoples who will name the name of the Lord. And so in addition to the new life by the Spirit of God and the new community as the people of God, the third gift to the church was that they had a new mission proclaiming the Word of God. A new mission proclaiming the Word of God. They said, we hear them telling the mighty works of God in our own language. And so Peter begins to describe in, in, in verses replete with scriptural references. He gives the very first Christian sermon, which speaks about that this is a fulfillment of God's prophecy, that, that, that God is giving his spirit and making a brand new way, and that forgiveness is available to everyone who would respond to him. And in fact, Jesus himself had said in the chapter just preceding this, and you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on me, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. And Gospel of Matthew speaks of it as God, God uh, uh, empowering us, giving us authority to, to share the good news to all the nations, all the people groups. A new community as the people of God and new mission proclaiming the Word of God. You see, now the Torah is no longer simply on a tablet, but the Torah begins to be written on human Hearts, as Ezekiel and Jeremiah say, a new covenant I will give them, a new heart I will give them, and I will write my commandments on their hearts. And so we all have the opportunity to proclaim the word of God. So we've seen something about the meaning of Pentecost for Israel, the meaning of Pentecost for the church. What then is the meaning of Pentecost for you and for me? Well, in this speech, Peter tells them quite clearly that they are called, first of all, to repent. Or in the 21st verse, as we have it here, we call upon the name of the Lord. We need to proclaim that Jesus Christ, Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. That means we need to let go of our own self-identity and respond to him and to his love. We need to be able to say, as the people of Israel said on the mountain behind, on the foothills of the Mount Sinai, all that the Lord has commanded, we will do. 
They needed to turn their back on the foreign gods of Egypt and turn their face toward the loving God who had rescued them. And we need to do the same. Meaning of Pentecost means to repent before the Lord. And it means, secondly, to receive. To receive what? Peter goes on to say in the rest of the sermon, to receive the forgiveness of sins. To receive the forgiveness of sins. And then also to receive new life by His Spirit. As we repent, we receive His forgiveness, and His Holy Spirit comes to reside within us. We receive new life by the Spirit. And it will become part of a brand new family of all of those who have named the name of Jesus. We call that family here, church at the chip, the ecclesia here. And then we now have a new mission. We're called then, as Israel was called, to become living witnesses of God's new creation in Christ Jesus. As they were called to become God's peculiar possession, His particular treasure, and to live with His presence among them, we are called to live with God's presence among us and to be His witnesses in this world. So the meaning of Pentecost is to repent, to receive, and finally, to remember, to remember that this was all because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Just as the old covenant was sealed by blood, the new covenant was sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ, who gave His life for you and me, who died our death to give to us His life, and then gives to us the mission to go and to share with others, freely we have received, freely we give. And so when we gather on Sunday mornings, we always pause to remember the story of Jesus because it is where Pentecost finds its true meaning in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So as we receive the Lord's table in closing our time together, let's have communally an opportunity to come before the Lord and repent, perhaps of our selfishness, our forgetfulness, and receive anew the assurance of His forgiveness and allow His Holy Spirit to be free to work in our lives and to remember fresh the sacrifice of Jesus which made it all possible and that to go out from here then with that little fish in our pocket, reminding that we serve Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Savior, Ichthus. And we do so, seeking to gather as many fish as we can who want to be part of the family of God. Let's have prayer as we close. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful and thankful for the opportunity this morning to gather for worship on this Pentecost Sunday, the day we remember when you signed the new covenant with us by the sealing of your son's blood. We remember when you gave new life to us by the giving of your spirit. And we were reminded... We were called to be living witnesses of your new creation. We receive the Lord's table today. In Jesus' name.